Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Maggie Patterson. Maggie is the editorial director at Scoop Studios and the creator of Small Business Boss. With two decades of experience, Maggie has spent her entire career in client services and has been a successful entrepreneur for over 15 years. She works with freelancers and agency owners to help them implement smart strategies for business growth. She's also worked with clients like HP and Microsoft. Her work has been featured in leading publications like Entrepreneur.com, Fast Company, and Virgin.com. Maggie, welcome to our program. Thank you so much for having me, Brent. I'm excited to be here. So I think you had mentioned that you do work with micro agencies. Yeah. What does that mean? Is that like another, like a fancy word for freelancer or like what does, what's a micro agency? I really see a micro agency as this in-between step. And I always characterize as, you know, what happens to a lot of service businesses? There's a lot of freelancers, creatives, is we get to this point where we max out on our personal capacity and then we have to decide, like, am I going to grow or am I not going to grow? And one of the hangups I know I had and I've seen with a lot of my clients over the years is that they look at an agency and they think about an agency like one of the big agencies that's owned by one of those four or five holding companies. They think of these huge organizations. So I started talking to them about the fact that like an agency doesn't have to look this kind of very um, conservative, very, uh, you know, creative direction agencies. All these types of agencies that we're very used to seeing that we can create agencies that help us um, go from freelancer to an agency owner, working with the team, not just being the only person working with clients and hopefully creating some leverage in our business. So I see a micro agency is for a lot of people, it's a stepping stone to having a bigger team and bigger agency. And for some people, it's the natural extension of freelancing. But I think um, there's a lot of baggage and preconceptions that go with agency. So I like to use the term micro agency as like this interim like, small, very managed, very controlled agency versus something that you're trying to scale to having a team of 300 people. Mm. So just kind of like what you do in that, in that, because I, I think it is important to be careful of what advice you, you, you get and you implement, because if you're taking advice, if you're a three person team or a four person team, and you're taking advice from somebody that's running a 25 person team about how marketing or sales works or, or whatever. I mean, a lot of times that can be a recipe for disaster because you're essentially trying to implement something that works at scale when maybe you're not at scale, whether scale is five people to you or whether it's 10 people. So how, how does that, what are some of the things that are uniquely different about running a micro agency as you call them? So, you know, one of the big distinctions, and this is a big objection I hear from people is like, well, I don't want to scale into being an agency owner. 
I, I don't I don't want to lose touch with clients. I still want to be involved in the day to day. So I really see the opportunity for micro agency owners to be very much involved and very much and design the role they want. So for some people that's going to be like, hey, I really love doing business development. I love running the business. For other people, that's going to be, I still want to keep my hands really involved with client work and really playing to your strengths and interests as they uh, grow and change over time. And then the other thing with micro agencies is really deciding for you kind of what that path ahead is going to be. For a lot of people, they start a business, it's more of a lifestyle thing, and then it's more successful than they probably ever uh, envisioned it would be. But they have those like hangups I touched on a minute ago, and they don't want to create an organization that has a very um, traditional hierarchical structure. They want something that's more flat and more agile. So we get to kind of design this business of the future. And I think that a lot of the people that are coming out of the freelancing space that are doing this, they have a really unique set of skills right now, especially with how the economy has changed and how um, remote work is going to be a thing that they can really translate into building a very, very solid, sustainable business for the long term. Now, one thing that I think is interesting about your story, Maggie, is that you worked internally in an agency, then you had your own agency, and, and now you're mentoring uh, other agency owners. I actually don't hear very often that agency owners were team members at agencies. Uh, and, and it's something that even like a friend of mine and I were talking about of, you know, is there value in an agency owner going and working for a really big agency just to kind of see how it works? Because I feel like a lot of agency owners are kind of running their business through trial and error. It's like, hey, I'm not really sure how a marketing system works for a five-person agency or a 10-person agency or a 50-person agency, um, you know, what was your experience like, or, or I should, let me rephrase that. What valuable insights did you get by being a team member in an agency before you went and started your own agency? Oh boy. So I always say that I had this distinct advantage when I started freelancing because I literally came right out of agency after, you know, five plus years. And I had a like basically an instant business because Unlike so many of my peers um, and friends that were coming out of corporate and everything, I had an entire set of business skills around new business acquisition, proposals, networking, all these other things that kind of scaffold and are, are required to actually do the thing we're good at. Whether you're a copywriter or create uh, creative or you do tech work, you really have to have those skills in order to run the agency. So I was able to walk out with an entire set of business skills and I knew exactly what I needed to do. And I think this is where I see so many agency owners struggling is they don't have necessarily the business skills. So then like you touched on a couple of minutes ago, they start taking advice from anywhere and everywhere. And then they find themselves like really stuck or resistant to that advice, or it doesn't quite work for them. So, you know, because I had that experience in an agency and then, you know, when I started freelancing, I was brought into a lot of agencies through my personal network. We are like, Hey, we need to backfill on this project, or we can't sell this without someone with your expertise. And because of those things I had, you know, not just my experience in agency, but I had many more years of seeing all the things that I liked and didn't like about how an agency can run. So when I decided to like literally spin out and start my own agency, I had a very clear set of parameters for like, this is how we're going to do things. These are things I want nothing to do with. And oh, by the way, this is all, these are all the things we're going to do differently because I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly over 
you know, the course of many years. Hey, what's up, agency owners? Brent here. And I'm going to rant for a quick second about Google Analytics. I don't know about you all, but I find that platform so difficult sometimes. I was in a meeting with a client and they asked some basic questions about their website and funnel performance. And we hadn't set up all of their goals just perfectly to answer every possible question. And we weren't able to give them that answer. And I really felt like we were flat footed. Like we had all this data, but we didn't actually have the insights that we need. A friend of mine sent me a link to a new tool called Oribi. And I have to say, I've been blown away at this new analytics platform, how intuitive it is, the fact that you don't have to have a developer to set things up, the fact that data is retroactive and you can ask questions of the platform that you didn't set up ahead of time, which makes you look like a rock star with your clients because your clients are going to ask 10 questions. And then when you give them those answers, they're going to ask 10 more questions. So you want to be able to show your clients cool results, but you also want to show your clients really succinct insights when it comes to their marketing performance, their website performance, their campaigns, their traffic spends, all of that kind of stuff. So look, if you're interested to learn more, I definitely recommend checking out Oribi. Go to oribi.io, that's O-R-I-B-I.io. And because you're all amazing listeners of the Digital Agency Show, they're hooking us up 20% off your first three months. If you go to oribi.io slash yougurus or use the code yougurus on their website. So check them out, oribi.io. Let's get back to our program. What do you think? What do you think is the biggest challenge or block for somebody that is trying to grow a micro agency in terms of, you know, going from that solo freelance practitioner to maybe having a couple of team members? I mean, what's really the big thing that you find that comes up immediately for people that are on that transition? Yeah, it always comes down to a leadership challenge because many of us are what you, you know, what you said is we're accidental agency owners and we didn't necessarily choose this path. So we may not have experience managing a team. We may not have experience with giving feedback or delegation. And that's really where, you know, we've gone from being solo and we have control everything over thing. You know, we see everything before it goes out the door. Our, you know, our hands are on everything to as that team grows to loosening up control, learning to trust our team, learning how to be an effective you know, leader and manager on an ongoing basis, even how to project manage with a team. If you don't have experience doing those things, there's a very steep learning curve. And that's why you know, I always encourage people to walk before they can run. It's like, get your feet under you on all of those things with a small team before you make a decision to say, hey, I want to grow this much, much bigger. Because if you don't have those foundational pieces, everything just is so much more challenging than it needs to be. What's the income potential for somebody that's running a micro agency? I mean, what's going from like a freelance type of thing? Like what should people be targeting in terms of how much they could make? And is there kind of a limit of what's possible for somebody unless they choose to grow and add team members and things like that? It's a really interesting question, Brent. So one of the common things I see is a lot of the people that will come to me have been able to hit about 100K, 150K on their own. And this is where they get into, I still have more business than I can handle. You know, how can I continue to make more money and grow my business? And that's where they jump into hiring a team. Maybe they get a full-time team member. Maybe they get a couple full-time team members. But there tends to be a bit of a cap I see with people um, if they don't want to really substantially grow their team. That happens between the kind of, I'd say, 500 to 750 mark. I feel like that's always a really big 
decision point for people. Like, am I going to hire more full-time people to help me run this? Or am I going to sit here and just be really okay with the, you know, I've created a, a leveraged asset, a something where I'm not necessarily having to work all the time. And I mean, the income potential for this, I think, depending on what you want to invest and kind of you, how it fits with your life and what your trajectory is. I mean, millions, multi-millions, like there's a lot of potential for agencies. And I feel like the potential for small agencies has grown like exponentially over the last two or three years as we've had all these shifts in the workplace, we've had these shifts around expectation. And a lot of established companies now are turning and going, oh, you know what? Like I am paying a lot to these agencies with a lot of overhead, with a lot of, um, they have a lot of firepower, but they don't necessarily have the creativity or they don't necessarily have the same skill set as certain agencies. So they're willing to gamble on a smaller agency. Do you think that you mentioned shifts in the workplace? So, yeah. I mean, do you think that because of what happened over the last year that businesses are going to rely more on agencies or do you think they're working more to hire in-house staff? I mean, what's your what's your take? Is it is it the same as it always has been? I think there was kind of an interesting shift and I started noticing this pre-COVID like probably about two and a half years ago is there was a, a very, like this flip I had seen in potential clients. As I, I was all of a sudden getting increased from bigger companies. Uh, we were starting to not, the, the conversation even in the prospecting was changing from where's your office to, oh, where's all of your team located? Like there was just this, all of a sudden this understanding of like, we are not, we do not have a brick and mortar office. We have a virtually distributed team across multiple time zones. Um, because for us, it's about talent, not about location. So really, there's that been that flip. And I think with the way that things are, you know, they're talking about now the return to work is going to be a return to hybrid work. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people really looking differently at their careers. So I think for agencies, the opportunity is probably the same, but with different rules. What are some of those rules? I feel like if you're a small agency, you probably can go after much, much bigger accounts, accounts that you probably didn't think you could go after before, you know, whether that be an RFP or something. I've had a few RFPs in the last year land on my desk that I literally started to laugh hysterically from giddiness because I was like, whoa, this is flattering. And then the next conversation with my number two was, we literally do not have the capacity for this. There's no way we can do this. But, you know, being included in those opportunities, being able to pursue those opportunities, presenting to our clients a different approach to doing business. You know, one of the biggest complaints I know I would always have as a junior in an agency is like, I would be learning everything on the client's dime and I was making things up as I was learning. So being able to bring a higher level of competence, a higher level of experience and really improve client uh, client service. And I think Client service is always an opportunity for a small agency because you can be so much more agile, uh, so much more profitable, and you do not have all these layers of complexity. You don't have five people with all these titles that everything goes through and then comes back down. Like you don't have that complexity. You can really flatten out that structure and serve your clients so much better so that, you know, maybe their budget is lower, but you are able to do it in a way that is ultimately more profitable for you as a business owner. 
Is there anything that businesses of that size, like a common mistake or pitfall that just is repeated tirelessly around, you know, that size? Because again, it's it's a very unique size of business to be yeah. in. You know, you, you're you're successful, but at the same time, you might not have the money or budget to bring on a full-time salesperson or a full-time marketing person, right? You kind of have your core workers that are all doing paid work, but there might not be an extra 60K or 70K to bring on like focus people to take care of marketing, sales, operations, finance, right? Which I think changes when you hit like the million dollar a year revenue mark is like you start to now be able to hire A players for like business function roles, not just deliverables. But when you're at 200 to 300K, like you can't do that. So the owner ends up wearing kind of all those hats. What are some of those pitfalls at that size that maybe are avoidable or maybe they're just things that have to be worked through? So I think like there's two big ones that I have seen and I definitely know that as a team, we've struggled at this along the way is number one, the owner getting out of the way and knowing what they're good at. So if you as the business owner are not great at sales, you need to have someone on your team and you need to hire for that skill set. Um, they don't need to be, maybe your account manager is amazing at getting on and talking to potential clients. Um, if you're not great at prospecting or outreach or whatever it is, understanding where your skills and experience are, because so many of us, like we try to wear all the hats, but we wear them really badly and they're falling off our head. And like, we lost the baseball hat. We don't know what's going on. So really focusing on, Hey, for me as the owner, what are the actual strengths I bring and then hiring to backfill those things. And then the other thing, and this is a big one, is understanding where for you as a business, you need to probably need to step out of some of the operational things. Like, do you need to be the one that is touching every task? Um, do you need to be the one dealing with your project management? No, you need, you know, if you're going to really be in that visionary role, where's that integrator that is going to be you know, that compliment to you because it's not the, for you to grow, you cannot have all those hats. You cannot fill all those roles. So you have to slowly give away some, some control. And that is hard for a lot of people. But I think once, once you start doing it and you see the growth potential, that's where things really start to change. That's where you go from 300 to 500 to 600 and really start to see um, that growth that is probably what you're after. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's e, the number two, m, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. How do you solve that chicken or egg problem, though? Because I, I, you know, I know there are people out there listening right now that are thinking to themselves, well, yeah, that would be great to hire a salesperson or integrator, but I have to then, you know, I'm going to have to either, I mean, take a risk, which obviously is, is entrepreneurship 101, but I think that some people feel like there's not even the physical capacity to pay a whole other salary, right? Or I mean, it's kind of this ch chicken or egg, right? You can, if you brought on the integrator, you brought in the salesperson, in theory, your revenue will eventually catch up with that move, but maybe it takes a while, right? Or, you know, is there 
any kind of approach that you recommend for people to make those types of growth moves? Because obviously if they went out tomorrow and hired a salesperson, hired an integrator, hired a marketing person, right? All of a sudden they let go of the vine, right? They might also become wildly unprofitable and go out of business. So how do you kind of solve that chicken or egg problem? I'm a big fan of getting creative with this. So, you know, I can think of one client in particular, like she didn't like the size she was at just where things were business-wise. It didn't make sense for her to hire a full-time integrator, but she hired a part-time integrator that was able to grow into the role of a full-time integrator. There's a lot. I think this is something when you're the business owner, it's really easy to lose sight of. There are a lot of people who are looking for unconventional or untraditional work arrangements that are looking for uh, growth roles that can grow over time that want a part-time role. So getting creative about like, Hey, maybe I don't have the budget for $70,000, but I do have the budget for $40,000 how can I figure out how to make that work? Um, because having hired full-time employees, I understand what a commitment it is. It is a stressful move, as you said, like letting go of the vine. So how can you make some interim steps to get to that point where it's less scary and where you have the revenue to back it up? And then the other thing I'm always, I think it's really tempting when you're a business owner to and I work with clients a lot on this, is you have to really rethink once you're in that team environment, how the money gets managed. And yes, you get the financial upside of owning the agency, but how are you going to make sure that you are retaining cash in the business so that you do have the runway down the road to make the strategic investments you want to make? And a lot of times this is going to be a decision you make like, hey, maybe I'm not going to bonus myself in the same way, but I am going to build up more of a financial buffer so that I can hire someone six months or a year from now. I mean, really just looking ahead to proactively plan. And I know it's tempting when there's a bunch of cash in the business to be like bonus time, but we have to be more strategic and more organized and really forecasting and planning and looking ahead to what it is we are going to need. Since we're talking about hiring, I mean, and cash. So, you know, obviously if you've got a role and you can afford, you think that you can afford to hire somebody at a $40,000 a year salary. doesn't necessarily mean you have to have $40,000 in the bank. No. What kind of cash reserve or cash flow should people use? Is there a rule of thumb of how we should be thinking about this in order to make that next hire and how long it's going to take for that role to start to bring an ROI into the business? Yeah, this is a really controversial conversation I've had many times. So this all comes down to where is your risk tolerance? When we hired our first uh, full-time employee, we had three months saved. And that was a gamble that paid off. Not everyone has that level of risk tolerance. So understanding like for you, with your forecast, with your you know your cash flow and everything else, figuring out what a realistic plan. I would ideally recommend six months. Um, because one of the things when you do, especially when you're making, make, you know, a full-time permanent hire, it ta always takes so much longer for that person to be where we want them to be and to really be at that kind of whatever your full capacity is. So we have to be very thoughtful about what that, what that experience is going to look like. And I mean, I, I can think of a few early hires we made where we thought, oh, it's going to be like two months in. And it's like, oh, it's six months in. It's eight months in where they're fully, you know, really helping us generate a lot more revenue at that point. That's so awesome. I love those rules of thumb in three months in the bank and then plan or forecast is going to take you six months 
to get that team member up to the right place uh, in the business. So that's super awesome. Maggie, this has been super informative. I think just understanding how different small agencies are than big agencies, realizing that there's different advice, tips, frameworks, ideas for how to break through some of these barriers as a smaller agency. They're just so different than let's say helping a, you know, somebody that's already at the 500 K to double or already at a million dollars to double. There's just different resources that we have going from that kind of one or two person freelance shop to, to more. And I think you're bringing a lot of value to the market. So thanks for that. Thank you so much, Brent. Are you ready for our lightning round? Yep. Let's do it. What is the best advice you've ever received? It's about hiring. It's good. That is going to take way longer to get someone up to speed than you think. Uh, I, my mentor told me that years ago and thank goodness they did because I went in with realistic expectations down the road. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Oh, it's, I have a lot of rituals around creativity because I do do a lot of the front forward, um, marketing writing for the business. So just making sure that I really preserve my time in the calendar and making sure that everybody involved knows that that is sacred and it needs to happen. Can you share an internet resource tool or app that you think our listeners would find valuable? Uh, we are a content marketing agency, so we use Grammarly extensively. Love that recommendation. Live by Grammarly. Definitely have it installed in all my apps. So listeners, definitely uh, take Maggie's word for it. If you're not using that, definitely use Grammarly. And what book would you recommend and why? So the book I cannot stop talking about to my clients right now, it's an old book. It's called First Break All the Rules. And I feel like for new leaders, it's such a great um, guide because we always try to be very fair and equitable. And we have to understand that every single person within our team has different capabilities and different needs. And it's a great way to frame it up. And it's research-based. So um, it might, it's a little older, but it's definitely worth a read. Awesome. We will link out to First Break All the Rules. Hadn't heard that yet on our show. So we'll link out to that in our show notes. Go to yougurus.com slash podcast. You'll get that book recommendation. Uh, make it super easy for you all to buy. And if you have not yet or are not using Grammarly, we'll also link out to Grammarly as well and include lots of takeaways, gold nuggets from today's episode. Yougurus.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of, you'll see Maggie's photo right up there at the top. Maggie, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Uh, the best place to find me is Small Business Boss. And I also host a podcast, which is for agency owners and freelancers, which is the BS Free Service Business Show. Awesome. Well, we love giving other podcasts a shout out. So check out Maggie's podcast. Check out smallbusinessboss.com. We'll also link out to those pages as well as Maggie's social media profile. So if you want to find out more information about Maggie and everything that she does, check out our show notes, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Maggie, thank you so much for stopping by the program today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale the multiple six and seven figures, all you gotta do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.